Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist, and now a health coach based in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. Today, I have a gal who reversed her chronic interstitial cystitis and migraines through a meat-based diet, and she's lost nearly 90 pounds in the meantime. It's Devin Willett, known as the Contoured Carnivore on social media, and you'll get to meet her right after this. Oh my, have I (laughs) found something? Have I opened a Pandora's box here? I just had my test results read to me at compounding at cornerstone.com. That's the website here in Little Rock, Arkansas, but all of my listeners can take advantage of the 20% off savings that you use Lisa at checkout to get the Dutch test. I did the Dutch. Um, my daughter did the saliva recently. We used 20% at checkout, actually, because we're in Arkansas. We walked in and said, Lisa at checkout, so you local folks can do that. But 20% off helps you a lot because it is pricier than the saliva But guys, I had 19 pages worth of data that Allison Ingram, the pharmacist there, she studies it like she's studying for her PhD. Like she knows more about me than anybody else here on the planet. It's amazing what you find out on the Dutch. I have high melatonin. I kind of have low low cortisol, which surprises me. Um, My estradiol looks good, but it could be better. My testosterone is good. You know, all these things that you find out. I even found out through that test that I have a little gut dysbiosis. And I've had all the other GI tests run, but this is so telling. Find them online, compounding at cornerstone.com. You'll click on our services and then underneath you will see the link for hormone therapy. Guys and gals, get you one. Compounding at cornerstone.com. It's Lisa Fisher with another satisfied Akles Carpet One customer. Yeah, that's right. My stylist, uh, the girl that does my hair, she was looking for flooring because she has humans that live there and pets. And you know what? Cats, they sometimes pee on your rug, right? Or your carpet. Well, her cat has, and she was going to replace it. And I said, just go to Akles. She went to the new location on Maumel Boulevard, technically North Little Rock, but we call that Maumel. Went in, uh, saw Todd with one D, that's what I call him. Paul was there, Erica Akel, and they got her hooked up. They gave her the best price. They gave her the best service. They came, the installers did the best installation. That's what happens every time when you're an Akel's Carpet One customer. It's not just me, though I've known Richard Akel for a hundred years. It's the fact that I'm a customer and he will do everything to make sure the customer is always right. Akel's Carpet One will beat the big box store prices. Wait, what? Yeah, you heard that right. Akel's Carpet One will beat the big box store prices. Three locations in central Arkansas. Check them out. The new store, it's like a Dallas showroom. Akelscarpetone.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, I love it when I have a guest on who's pro-beef or pro I guess, ruminant animal. And uh, Devin, that's what you are, because I'm thinking about the steak I'm going to have at lunch today. And I even might have pimento cheese with fried pork rinds. Like, that's how serious I am. I even have, I ha- this is the one thing I've missed uh, as a meat-based eater, is the crunch. And you can buy pork rinds from a restaurant supply company. They're this big. 
and those of you that are watching on YouTube, they're the size of a cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> and then they blow up like this. Mm-hmm. And they are delicious. That may be a Southern thing. Have you had a fried pork rind before from a restaurant? Mm, no. And I have to say pork rinds aren't my favorite either, but I try, I'll try it once. I'll try anything once. So you haven't had it at a restaurant. I did not like them until mm-hmm. I went to a restaurant. They fried them, they brought them out and they had like a dipping sauce. You don't even need it, but the stuff you buy in a package, no bueno. No, it's not. It doesn't sound the same. It's like some pork belly. I like pork belly when it comes from a restaurant better. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how did you get into the carnivore lifestyle? You look like a slim girl of perfect health, but I bet it wasn't always that way with your health. No, no. So do you want me to start from the very beginning? I love a good story. I have nothing but time. (laughs) Okay. So um, I had my first son. I'm 30 years old. I had my first son um, six years ago. And um, at that point when I had had him, I had gained a significant amount of weight. Congratulations. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to pregnancy, right? Right, Um, right. And so I had gained a lot of weight and uh, when I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So I had, oh, that's had Hashimoto's young. very young, very young. You, was- wait, 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 let's stop just a moment. I, my girls both got diagnosed at 12 and 13 because I'm a bulldog mother who had Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. Was your mother looking out for you, wondering why you were cold and you didn't have a period and your hair fell out? Um, it was the hair and it was, um, I did have a period. Um, my mom had thyroid disorder at, um, too. So she knew the signs. Um, but really what encouraged her to keep pushing was I was chronically fatigued. Like I would come home from school and sleep, 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 sleep. And I was never hungry and I was chronically sick. I had strep throat chronically for about six months. So I get it. Yeah. It's all symptoms. And those are very, very common. The fatigue, um, the no appetite and the, um, the hair loss, like just coming out in chunks. So my mom kind of knew something was going on and she would not take no for an answer. So she finally, they finally figured that out. Um, 14 years old, I was a freshman in high school. Um, and I think it's important. I was a healthy kid. Um, I was an athlete my entire childhood. I played sports, very active. We ate a healthy diet. Um, and so I still had Hashi's. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I had my baby. I gained a lot of weight. I had a, um, I was maxed out on my thyroid medicine. Um, and I was greatly unhappy with my health. I was chronically sick again. I was getting strep throat. I, all the, all the things. And I'm, you know, this is 12 years after being diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So my best friend is a doctor. And I was talking to him. I said, yeah, I really need to lose weight. And he had said, well, I'm doing a rotation with a physician right now who recommends the ketogenic diet. And And so I said, oh, okay, that's really interesting. Let me look into it. He's like, just try it for 30 days. So I said, oh, I'll try it for 30 days. I did it for two weeks, hated it. I said, I'm going to stick it out. And after 30 days, I had already noticed a huge, huge, huge improvement in the way I felt. Um, I lost probably 14 pounds in that period. A lot of it probably that's, just from inflammation. That's a lot of weight. It is that's a lot, a lot of, weight. of weight. Yeah. Um, so at that point, at my heaviest, I was 220 pounds. I am a short person. I am not even 5'4". I'm just a little under 5'4". So 220 pounds is a significant amount of weight for yeah, someone of my stature. Sure. Yeah, um, sure. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing keto. I'm, I'm feeling good. 
Um, I'm seeing results. And so I started to just get a little bit more serious about my health. Um, and in this time period too, I had a, a, a little bit of a breast cancer scare. Um, and for a 26 year old, that's pretty scary. Um, yeah, I had, significant. Yeah, I had a swollen lymph node, but it, it was still scary, you know. Um, so I thought, wow, like I have a baby now. I don't have. It's not just about me anymore. Yeah. Um. So I continued with keto. Then I started getting into fitness, and in that time period of me starting keto, in about nine months, I was able to decrease my levels of levothyroxine. And then after 12 months, I was off of levothyroxine completely. And I had lost probably about 50 to 60 pounds in that period. Wait, of time whoa, too. whoa, 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 whoa. We need to stop on a couple of things. Number one, um, you well, levothyroxine, my listeners know, I say it's like taking a Tic Tac because it, I took, it made me take naps and gain weight, which I could do for free. <laughs> so did it even give you relief at some time? You know what? I have to say, I never remember taking my medication on like with thyroids because there were times where I would run out of medication. And they're like, oh, well, we need to get you into the yeah. endocrinologist to be tested to see what your levels need to be again. I never once took levothyroxine after not taking it for a period of time and thought, wow, I feel a lot better. I okay. never did. That's, I want people to hear that. The the And I'm not, I mean, every body is different. So, so your physiology is different from mine. My daughters take different dosages and different brand names than I do. So we're all different, but the shortcoming of levothyroxine is it's just T4. Mm-hmm. You hope it converts to T3 because that's what you use on a cellular level. Right. But then nature, the way God made us, there's T2, T1, T0, and calcitonin. And that's what armor thyroid or the complete thyroid, they're close. They're, I don't know if they're bioidentical, but they're n- the natural preparation ones from a pig. Um, and it gave me my life back. But levothyroxine on, it, the own, on its own didn't. What was your highest dose on that? 125 milligrams. That's really not that high um, because it typically is titrated based on weight. Mm-hmm. So if you weighed 125 you would take 125 micrograms. I'm surprised because of your weight, they didn't bump you up to, to, cause it, it it's in like. I wonder if I'm wrong about that because I, it's, okay. it's been so long and I thought it was 125. What was it? Micrograms actually. Not milligrams. It's micrograms. It, yeah. It's dosed very, 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 very small. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder, but again, I wasn't really paying attention because. Oh, whole, you didn't feel better. So it wasn't, it yeah, wasn't a perfect it, fit it, for it you. It was just, I had been on the medication for so long that it was like, oh, I have to take this. You know, like it, it yeah. didn't matter to me. Right. Um, except for once I started losing weight and I and I got my thyroid tested and he's like, you know, you can lower your medication. Like we can lower it. And I finally was like, well, do I need it? And he goes, well, come back in six months and you might not need to if you keep losing weight. And that was, that kind of became the goal. Well, if I don't want to, I don't want to have to go. I don't, if I don't need to take medication, I would prefer not to, if there's a natural solution, I'm losing weight anyway. So then that kind of quickly became my goal is to why, why be on something if I don't have to. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. And then the other question before you continue is uh, another risk of having low thyroid during reproductive years is miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Did you miscarry at all during that time? No, I have to say I'm super thankful. I'm very blessed. I have been 
having no issues with conceiving either of my children um, very intentionally. Um, And I have always, always, always had easy breezy menstruation too. Um, Really? Yes. And I, I know that a lot of like, of course I've had some cramping, um, but I have never been one of those people that's debilitated by my period. And some people there's, I don't know if it's an autoimmune connection. I, you know, a lot of us think it's a gut brain uh, connection, but a lot of women, young women, so I'm telling anyone listening who have really difficult menstrual cycles, sometimes there's a connection. I think it's pituitary, adrenal, thyroid axis. I mean, I, I don't know because I, I think I'm a doctor, but I know I'm not. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just saying pursue it. But that's really good news, Devin, to hear that you kind of breeze through that. And kind of after you have a baby, your periods get a little, some people say their periods get a little easier. Right. So it might even be better for you. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And so I'm very, I'm very lucky. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's kind of how I got it started in the keto space. I lost all that weight. I was able to get off of the medications. Then fast forward four years, I maintained a keto lifestyle pretty much for four years. Um, I got pregnant again with my second son, no problems. It was wonderful pregnancy. Um, and what my, was your weight at this time? What, what was, when what I got pregnant with my second son, I want to say it was about 158, 159 ish. Okay. Um, so that I had, he's, almost three. So this is about four years ago. Yeah. That's well. 60 pounds down from your highest weight. That's yeah, significant. Yeah. Um, and I had maintained that for over a year, um, in Good. a half ish. So, um, I got pregnant really easily. I had a great pregnancy. The only thing during my pregnancy that I noticed was number one, my thyroid didn't do as well. So I had to go back on a minimal dose right. of levothyroxine, which yeah. is very typical. Um, yes with those who have a history of thyroid disease. And then I did start getting migraines to the point of being hospitalized for them. Um, and I had never, ever, ever had a migraine in my entire life to the point where they thought I was having an aneurysm because it was so, I had never had it. I had never experienced it. And I, you know, I had, they said, let's go to the dentist to make sure you don't have like an abscess tooth or anything yeah. like that. And just check all the boxes. And I did have to get a brain scan because they were I a bet. little um, oh, I concerned. Bet. It was just migraines. So were those uh, estrogen related or I hormone no, related? I have no clue. There was never any like there was no resolution with that. It was something that I did have to deal with throughout the pregnancy. I will say I did not drink coffee during my pregnancy, but I did drink tea because the caffeine seemed to help alleviate. It does help. Yeah. It does help alleviate the pain. Um, But I had a wonderful pregnancy. I gained 30, 30 pounds of the the typical weight. um, Unlike my first one. Um, But when I had my son, I continued to have um, the migraines and I was still on levo. I still needed a little bit of the levothyroxine. Um, after I had my second son, I had started having a lot of uh, urinary tract infections. Um, oh, shoot. Okay. So uh, about 10 in a 12 month period. Um, oh my gosh. These were diagnosed as um, UTIs. And so finally, after a year of dealing with this, I was like, I got to go see a specialist. Like this is not, I'm, I'm on antibiotics all the time. And, you know, oh, I'm doing a terrible. ketogenic diet yeah. at this time too, thinking I'm being healthy. I'm doing the healthiest thing. You know, I lost yeah. and had so much success um, before. And so I saw a specialist and I was diagnosed with 
mild kidney stones, very mild kidney stones, um, an enlarged kidney and something called interstitial cystitis. Yeah. yeah. I have actually had a history of UTIs pretty much all through high school in my adult life. Um, Sometimes they're very mild, but I would still get an antibiotic because white blood cell blood cells yeah. showed up the, the strip um, when they do the urinal urinalysis. And so I finally was like, I cannot take this pain anymore. This is crazy. It hurts. And you know, I went to the urologist and he said, Well, you don't have UTIs. You have something called interstitial cystitis. And basically it's the inflammation of the lining of your bladder based on something you're usually consuming in the diet. Uh, um, so, so it is triggered by food. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't having, I, I often wonder how many UTIs I actually had versus a misdiagnosis. Um, because well, you, did, did you need the antibiotics though with the interstitial? There's, there is uh, no, there is nothing prevent. There is nothing that can actively help minus pain medication. There's nothing that can actively okay. help. I hate that you were on the antibiotics all the I time. Know, I, hate it, I know. I but... know. Um, so my urologist was wonderful. He was really, Good. really, really awesome because I was, I, you know, I am so uncomfortable. It hurts. It feels like a UTI. I don't have a UTI. I'm drinking water. I'm doing all the right things. And he gave me a list of 10 foods, 10 things, um, not just specifically foods, beverages as well, and said, you need to cut out every single one of these to see what is triggering you. And I mean, this is from coffee to wine, to spicy foods, to processed meats, um, to acidic vegetables, to fruits that have seeds in them. The, everything was things that were consuming. Artificial sweeteners were a no-go. And so I cut all of them out and still something was triggering me. Oh, wow. And finally, I was like, why am I, I'm basically only eating meat with a certain little tiny amount of vegetables. Like, why don't I just eat meat and see what happens? I had known about carnivore. I, you know, had listened to Michaela Peterson. I had listened to Paul Saladino, all the, all the big ones, Dr. Ken Berry. And so I did, and I have had an extreme amount of success on a carnivore diet, um, an extreme amount of success. So isn't that incredible? So Dr. Saladino says, and Anthony Chafee, they both like to say, and it sounds crazy that plants don't want to be eaten. They don't. And when you say that in this climate, the political climate that's Mm -hmm. pushing vegetarian and veganism, they think we're nuts. Right, right. When they go back, Dr. Chafee, I just interviewed him on my podcast and I saw him talking about it on another one this week. He talks about his like botany professor and medical school who even explained a botanist knows about things that grow from the ground. Mm -hmm. And he said, let me tell you all the anti-nutrients that are in these things that grow from the ground and the things that can bother you. So when we say that it's not because we're trying, I'm trying to push a political agenda of eat more meat. I don't care if you do or not. I just know if you, it can make you, it can help you feel better. Mm -hmm. And Michaela Peterson is somebody you need to look up. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes, pe- some resources, because somebody may be listening to me for the very first time and not know of my love for these things. Um, but didn't you think at first that you were crazy, that you were going to, that God made tomatoes and you should be eating tomatoes, which tomatoes are very inflammatory for a lot of people. Nightshade vegetables are. So was tomatoes one of them? Tomatoes, peppers, onions, um, basically every nightshade, um, yeah. anything in the nightshade, especially um 
for people who suffer from thyroid disorders, you shouldn't be consuming nightshades anyway. And I had kind of gotten to a space where I knew that not not every food was good for us. I grew up in a family that had severe celiac disease. So oh, of course it was gotcha. natural for me to know that not all food is great for us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once I started doing a ketogenic diet and I realized, you know, okay, like these things aren't great for us either. And, you know, the, the elimination diet. So once I got to carnivore, my mind was really open to understanding that not most things are not great for us. Um, I had already, you know, known that nightshades weren't good for thyroid disease because of my, you know, my family and, you know, gluten can be really inflammatory to everything pretty much. Was gluten completely eliminated from your diet like years ago or Um, did you dabble with it? So I, first of all, I, I should very much clarify that during my time as a keto person and even up to now, I am not someone who will never like I will eat gluten occasionally yeah. on a special yeah. occasion. I am not, um, uh, I want to say, uh, what is the, um, I am not, I, I'm very, I will, I like to experience things occasionally. Good. I agree. Right? Um, and so gluten was a no go in my family's household, but gluten free things were okay. And sometimes we now know there's a bunch of crap in the gluten free thing. So you have to, in fact, there are more seed oil sometimes than that. I'd rather eat the gluten by that point, but you have to decide which of the two evils you want. But when I was on a ketogenic gluten wasn't, I I didn't do any gluten. I didn't do any breads. I did. And especially, you know, I started keto five years ago. This was before keto was super, super, super mainstream. So there weren't a lot of keto treats um, on the market. Oh, and so okay. the temptation wasn't there. And I think that's why I had so much success in the beginning because it was whole foods. It was meat, vegetables, and dairy. And that was it. So um, I don't love gluten right now, but I will occasionally do it for a special occasion. Well, those of us who are graduates of the Institute for Integrated Nutrition, New York, where I have my health coaching certification, were taught, love the foods that love you back. And gluten doesn't love me back. Corn doesn't love me back. So if I have a corn chip or if I have a piece of bread, I I have to pay the consequences, but I'm a grown ass woman, as we say. Mm-hmm. And so as a grown ass woman, I make my decision, but I have, that's what I'm saying. So I think if people employ that mantra into what they put on their fork, they'll feel better. So I feel my best, except for that little bit on Saturday. Sometimes we have a treat day. We don't call it cheat day, but where I might have a dessert or I might have something and it might have gluten in it. And then I'm miserable. The first 30 minutes after it, I say every time to my husband, I'm never never doing doing this this again. again." Yes. I've never, (laughs) I sound like really that alcoholic when the bar opens, I'm like, just one more, just one more piece because it does it. Once you eliminate offensive foods and you then dip your toe in for me you real then you really know what you're doing is right but at first Devin when you started you probably thought I I'm insane you know I I surely I'll be able to eat these things I when I started so when I started keto I thought well this I'm just gonna do it temporarily I'm just gonna do it to lose a bunch of weight and then I'm gonna not do it anymore 
And I don't know when that mind shift happened. I want to say that that shift in my brain happened when I started working out and one of my instructors was a really fit, just looked like the model of health. And she's like, oh yeah, I've been doing ketogenic diet for probably six years. And I think that was kind of the shift where I was like, wow, like this is someone that I admire, that I listen to, that I'd like to look like one day. And that's, that's what you want. You know, that's who you want to learn from. Um, And that's who you want to take advice from is the people that you want to be like. And I think that that's when my shift happened with keto Um, and with carnivore, honestly, I just was like, I'm going to do carnivore until I'm not in pain anymore. Cause I was in a significant amount of pain with my interstitial cystitis. I was in a lot of pain and I thought, I just don't want to be in pain. And then once I stopped being in pain and then I also started experiencing the weight loss and the, how good I felt. Mm -hmm. Then I started thinking like, Oh, maybe there's more to this. Maybe there's like a lot more to this. And that's when I got on social media and my husband was like, you should be documenting this. Like you should start social media. So I I do think that with carnivore, especially I was like, oh, I'm just going to do, you know, a couple months to get, you know, get, get off my medication, see if it helps with the interstitial I don't want to be in pain anymore. Um, And then once I realized how good I felt, I was, yeah, I don't really want to stop this, you know? Well, let's define keto and then let's define carnivore. So give me a keto definition. So for me, keto is meat and veggies. Um, and dairy. And, and dairy, yes. Meat and veggies and dairy. Um, I did feel, I did fall a little victim to some of the keto treats towards the end of my ketogenic yeah. diet because they were available. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning, it was very much meat veggies and cheese, mostly cheese. Cause there's a lot yeah. of cheese, dairy, dairy keto products that were out there. Um, but even now when I think of a ketogenic diet and I might tell someone to do a ketogenic diet, I am not talking about doing the keto breads. I don't believe in that stuff. Right. Um, so I've had family members that I'm like, Oh, just go try keto, do keto. Mm-hmm. Well, what do I eat? Meat, veggies, and cheese, you know? Um, so that's, what's keto to me and to carnivore. I define it as a all meat diet. Um, I am also a 99.9% dairy free carnivore too. Okay. Um, that's I was going to ask you. Dairy bothers a lot of Hashi's patients mm-hmm. and thyroid patients. Do dairy or eggs bother you? So I don't see an issue with eggs, but I also don't love eggs. So I'm not consuming okay. them yeah. um, regularly um, as much as I I, I am trying to consume more of them. I'm doing that intentionally. Um, dairy, actually, I cut dairy out a couple months ago because I noticed that I started getting cystic acne. And I've never had acne a day in the in my life, ever. I've never had That's acne. I never had acne as a teenager. And then I did start getting acne when I did keto the first time around, but I never put two and two together. And then once I really eliminated all those toxins through the veggies and, you know, all the keto things that I was eating, and I just started eating meat, eggs, and dairy, I started noticing my acne getting more severe. I thought, oh, you know, this is really strange. I've never been someone who suffers from acne. Um, So I cut dairy out in November 
Um, and then I reintroduced it, started getting acne again, and then I cut it out. So I don't do cheese. Um, I do some organic, um, half and half in my coffee in the mornings. And that's pretty much the extent, but I've done the a one dairy as well. Um, that makes me feel better, but it's, we live in a really small town now and it's really hard to find. So whenever I do find it, I buy them in bulk. Um, but I don't do cheese. I noticed cheese. Um, even when I introduced it back in and did not um, see acne right away, I just felt bloated. And so I thought, I don't really love yeah. cheese anyway. It inflames you. It yeah, really just inflames does. you. It really does. What so, about the raw dairy? Have you tried that? Raw milk um, and raw cheese? Uh, I, and, and no, I haven't. And honestly, I think it's just because I don't even care to go on that journey. Okay. You know? okay. There you go. Uh, what about your kids? Because, you know, our kids sometimes, you know, they do they're related to us in our DNA. So do you notice any dairy sensitivities with your kids and gluten? Um, so um, my first son did not eat gluten or respond well to dairy until he was almost three years old. We yeah. were a gluten-free household and a um, he could not do any, he, and you know what, to this day, he still doesn't because he just never did. Um, he was not a kid who could drink um, cow's milk, um, we did almond milk with him because I didn't know any better and I thought it was healthy. Um, well, what's what I, I've just now seen the argument on almond milk. What is it that people are pushing back from? Um, pushing it for or against no, it? Pushing it back against it. They're, they're saying those of you who are trying to be healthy, throw out the almond milk, throw out, well, I mean, we know the soy milk because yeah, the soy is poison, yeah. but so, what about almond milk? So almond milk is really interesting. And I consumed a lot of almond milk and almond flour when I was keto. And what I don't, what I didn't know is that almonds are very high in oxalates. That's oxalates, what, that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Oxalates are not good for anyone who has kidney and bladder problems. There so, you go. um, the mild kidney stones that I showed traces yep. of having were probably yep. a result of over consuming high oxalate foods. Um, other high oxalate foods are any nuts, any seeds, um, spinach, um, things like spinach is notorious. I know that. Yeah. So spinach, they're, they're the cruciferous vegetables that are really bad for Hashi's patients and thyroid patients because they'll present with a goiter, which is a swollen Mm -hmm. gland. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering is a cruciferous, are all cruciferous vegetables high in oxalates? So are uh, Brussels sprouts high in, ox, high in oxalates? They're or? not the highest, but what okay. I what I was told is that I should never eat raw cruciferous vegetables. Got it. Sure. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, see that. So, my, but you would never eat spinach again. You would never. You would have to. I would have to be starving on a desert, yeah. deserted island. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. I, and, and I won't even touch almond flour anymore, anything with all, just because okay. I know that um, I have kidney problems, you know? And so I know that any type of, the only high oxalate food I do consume is I do drink coffee still, but I have given that up. I've given that up for months and months and months and months. So um, coffee's high in oxalates too. Yes. And it's, it's my weakness and it's more of a, um, so we just moved from a big city and in that big, my husband is a coffee drinker too. And one of our favorite things is going to local coffee shops and sitting together and drinking coffee. So for me, it was more of like a social thing. That's just yeah. something my husband yeah. and I really bond over. Yeah. Um, and so I have cut it out. Um, I did cut it out when my um, urologist told me, Hey, like coffee's not great um, for bladder conditions. And I did for months and months and months. And then hmm. once I had been, 
feeling really good. I wanted to see like, Hey, can I enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning? And I did. And it's, it's, it's my last advice. I would say that I'm still gripping onto, and I'm actually thinking of giving it up next month to just play around and see how I do with that. Well, guess who's going to win favorite patient at Little Rock Chiropractic and Acupuncture? That would be me. Lisa Fisher, because I went to Jess's Chicken and I delivered lunch to them. Yeah, they have a catering operation there. But when I called, she said, well, we'd prefer 10 or 15 and it was only seven in the office. So I was going out there anyway. And I went to Jess's Chicken and got everybody a box lunch. And if they wanted to, someone could have added the mac and cheese. I don't know why they didn't, because that's what I would have done. But whatever. You do you. They did the 10 count nuggets. They did the chicken sandwich, the chicken salad sandwich. One of the women even texted me and said, whatever that sauce is, I would bathe in it. No, we don't recommend that. But Jess's Chicken is where you in Central Arkansas can go to cater something. They do really big parties. They can do small parties or you can pick it up. They had it ready for me in about 10 or 12 minutes. I went through the drive-thru. They brought it all out to the car. It was just very, very convenient. Jess's Chicken, of course, that's the Bubba's family here in Little Rock. You know them because of their charitable side. You know them because of their business side and what they've done with David's Burgers. But now they've given you options for things like dairy-free. Okay, check. Gluten-free. Okay, check. And of course, always delicious. And the drinks they have have real cane sugar in them, so it's not high fructose corn syrup. They know what they're doing. They're a big family and they care about your family. Jess'sChicken.com. Let's talk about why I started using the products from Beauty Counter. It was probably uh, maybe 2020. I'd heard about it for years, but I thought, really, does it make a difference? Yes, it does. These are the products. I mean, Beauty Counter is known. You go to ewg.org or go to their app and you put the Beauty Counter products in and they're the safest on the market. So that means no phthalates, no parabens. Um, Those are things that are cancer causing. Those are things that disrupt your endocrine system. And boy, I talk a lot about estrogen and and our hormones on this podcast. So I'm trying to protect mine and to protect mine and even my children and grandchildren. I'll give my girls something from Beauty Counter and say, here's the link, order something. And I'm saying that to you now because in February, if you're listening to this podcast in February of 2023, there is a discount for first time purchasers. And that's how I did it then. And I've been hooked ever since. And it's clean for all 30. That will be in the show notes. But I want you to try it. And they have a money back guarantee. I just sent something back yesterday because I didn't like the smell. It was, I've even changed out my deodorant everything because of anything that is in contact with my skin. I try to be really pristine about it. And I didn't love the smells. Free shipping back and I'll just order some more. Not a big deal. But link is in the show notes. Consider clean for all 30, 30% off. It's a great deal, guys. You'll love it. Beautycounter.com slash Lisa Fisher. Is it um, the caffeine you like? If, if he's not with you, or I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I hear people say that they love the smell when it's in the, whatever, the coffee pot. And they love the tradition and what they do, the routine. And they I, love the slow sipping of it. Is yeah, that, is it the whole feel? I think it's very ritualistic for me. So I wake up really early in the morning. I try and wake up before my kids. That's when I do like my content, my editing, um, reading, things like that. And uh, catch up on all the things that I want to do because I am a stay at home mom of two kids. And 
I think the caffeine is a great bonus because I am a stay at home mom with a two and a half year old and a six year old boy and we homeschool our children. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think there's the, the caffeinated, but there's also something so comforting to me about it. So it's, it is a ritual. I'm very habitual in my actions too. I, I'm just very, you know, yeah, I can see that. Um, but I like, I, I, I do like to tell people it is something I gave up, you know, I, I, it's Are you going to do tea then? Well, hot tea, green no, tea? No, I, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't okay. drink anything, to be honest. I just, sparkling water, probably. Yeah. Wow. What, what's your alcohol intake? Um. So I drink occasionally. Um. I do love alcohol. <laughs> and in a not an alcoholic kind of way. No, no, no. no. Um, I'm, I'm not judgy. What kind though? So what does, what is a carnivore, ketivore or you're maybe more carnivore now, what does that person choose then for alcohol? So I would either, um, Trulies, I don't know if you've ever had like yeah, the Trulies, yeah. that, that's my go-to. Like if I were to okay. sit and have a drink in my house, that's what it would be. So it's really just kind of a souped up yeah. um, sparkling water with flavor yeah. and like this much alcohol. And my fingers are hardly even. Apart. Yeah, it's and it's really more of like a, a sensation, you know, drinking okay. the water with... Um, yeah. But I do have to go into drinking alcohol knowing that there's a very much potential that my cystitis is going to act up. Act up really? Because alcohol is a severe, if not the biggest trigger for my cystitis. So if I do, I drink maybe once every six to eight weeks now yeah. um, because it is an intentional action that I go into knowing that I may have a flare up if I do consume alcohol. So the time that you had the year's worth just about of what you thought were UTIs or bladder infections, it was just probably the cumulative effect of Western living, of having a Mm -hmm. cocktail, of having spinach because people told us to eat it 90 times a day, of having almond flour because Mm -hmm. you thought that was healthier than, I mean, it, you really kind of walked into it innocently and then you, it almost killed you. Right. Right. And it's one of those things that I think about quite often is how, how, how could I have avoided that year of like pain? Cause it was chronic pain. Just oh, I'm sure. Pain, um, just by taking out some of these, like these vegetables and these like processed almond flours. And, um, I was a big diet Coke person, um, when oh. I was on keto, cause that's a keto safe food. Um, it was my vice. Oh. Um, and I think that that was also a huge trigger because artificial, oh, artificial sweeteners are just awful for cystitis as well in general. Now, was that the urologist that gave you the list of the 10 things to remove? Yes. That did. urologist, that, that's pretty forward thinking because sometimes, not all doctors, right. but sometimes they want you just to take a pill. Mm-hmm. But he was really, he or she was saying, let's look at upstream what's mm-hmm. causing, if people would stop and think what's causing the inflammation and the irritation. And if you ask, you'll get an answer. You know, yeah. if you, no, not all, I know it's, I, I, that's not a blanket statement. Because your migraines, you probably still don't know what triggered that. I, I bet it was estrogen imbalance um, or something with pregnancy. You, know you want to know what I think that it was the, um, I think it was the oxalate because oxalate intolerances can oh. cause migraines. But I think, oh my god, I think another part is I think that I was electrolyte deficient as well. Oh. Wow. Um, I have not had a single migraine in the almost twelve months that I have been a carnivore. 
Wow. Yeah, I have not had a single what, migraine. So what is it? You're having a lot of salt then with your meat. Um, I drink electrolytes daily because I'm an yeah, avid weightlifter. Um, so I'm consuming electrolytes in my while I'm working out um, every single day. And I salt everything. And I think Good. back to when I was on a ketogenic diet, I never salted my food. I never salted my food. I've never what? been... I've never been someone who salted my food. Oh. Um, I just don't. I knew it was important when I went into carnivore because everyone was like, you know, you have to make sure you're replenishing yeah. your electrolytes. Um, so I'm going to take a wild guess that I was under consuming the proper ratios of electrolytes. I believe it. Because the ratios are important too. Oh, I, I I agree, but I don't know what they are, but I do I know either. there has to be a good balance. Okay. Of potassium, sodium, mm-hmm. magnesium. Magnesium's magical. Yeah. And and, all deficient. And um I the the quality of the salt. So I use Redmond's real salt for sure. everything. I think sure. the quality of salt really matters yes. as well. Um, versus like a table table salt. So when I was on a ketogenic diet, I probably was just using the standard salt that you get at the grocery store, which is not going to have that proper no. In fact, throw it out. It's, it's processed garbage. and it's crap. Yeah. yeah. Get the Himalayan or the Celtic mm-hmm. sea salt or mm-hmm. the Redmond. Redmond sells them. Uh, and again, this is for those watching. Visually, I can tell you huge bags. I have the, like the rock salt and I have the mm-hmm. fine salt. and I, yeah. have the, I have all the things and it is, that is one of the best freedoms of knowing that we've been lied to because in the last 10 years they, or 20 years, they told us to cut out our fat, cut out our salt, and we're the fattest we've ever been and unhealthiest mm-hmm. we've ever been because we were cutting out the things that our bodies have to have. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as women. Um, yes, for I sure. think the worst advice that you could ever give someone as far as nutrition is a low fat, low sodium diet. I think it's an absolute recipe for chronic illness and disease. It's awful. Um, yeah. It's awful. And that only gets more imperative as you reach 40 because even you know perimenopause starts maybe seven years before the decline so even in your mid-30s Devin it's important that women you tell your peers Mm -hmm. to increase their protein intake and it's challenging I mean I tried every day I I tried to do the one gram per pound model but I'm 100 I'm 5'8 and 150 pounds I can't even get to a hundred pounds because once I have the steak and the eggs, I'm full. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, so I'm what a, do you do then to supplement to get more? Um, in? So I am a huge, um, and this is actually, I, I tell people that I feel, um, so I've lost 37 pounds on carnivore in the past. So what are you about 120 now? Um, I'm, I'm 144. What you went for? Okay, yeah. I, I can't do math. It, no, yeah. okay. I started off at 181 um, at in February of last year. So my one year carnivore anniversary is coming up, and I'm 144 right now. Awesome. Um, and so I've lost a significant amount of weight, but yeah. I like to tell people now that I think my weight loss journey is coming to a conclusion because I'm feeling very main. I'm, I'm maintaining very very well, um, and I'm consistently maintaining my weight out in the one forties. Um, so right now I think my journey more is, um, for aesthetics and my performance in the gym. I am a huge weightlifter. I love, I lift six days a week because I love it. And, um, right now my, like the aesthetic, you know, I've lost all the weight that I wanted to lose, but now I want to look 
a certain way at the weight that I am. Um, and so part of that was working, starting to work with a trainer, um, a professional, because I am not a professional. And, um, and a part of that, you know, starting to work with someone is learning the amount of protein that you need to consume to build a significant amount of muscle. Um, and so I thought that I was eating all these calories and all this protein because I'm so full all the time and I'm, you know, so satiated. And then he, you know, he had said, well, you kind of need to just start tracking to just kind of gauge where you're at. And I learned that I'm under consuming protein and I'm under consuming calories. And so for the past couple of months, my focus has been really getting, um, my minimum intake of 130 grams of protein a day. I usually get to 150 or more. You are my queen. I mean, how are you? Do- what are you doing to do that? Um, so I eat a lot of ribeyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm having one for lunch. But I, once you have that ribeye, then I don't know if I want a second one that day. Yeah, um, I eat a lot of ribeyes and I eat a lot of ground beef. So I eat about 150. Uh, you most days I'm hitting between 150 to 170 grams of protein a day, which is a crazy oh amount. My- of Gosh. protein for a lady. Um, my ratios for my caloric intake tend to be 60% fat um, to 40% protein ratio. So um, I'm ebbing, I'm going between two calorie intakes. Um, I've been going between 1,700 and 2,100 calories a day. And I also like to preface this conversation with everyone's caloric intake. It's different based on their body, for size, sure. weight, and their activity level. I am very active and I'm very short. So um I, I get a lot of people, well, I'm going to eat 1700 calories. I'm like, if you're a whole foot taller than me, you should be eating way more. Yeah. Um, and so my protein to my fat to protein ratio is usually 60 to 40. Um, I think most women are under consuming protein severely, and it is incredibly, incredibly important to be eating protein. Um, and so I try my minimum that I will allow myself to ever consume is 130 grams. And that is the standard that most professionals will tell you. Are you doing any protein shakes or anything in a dish to supplement? Yes. So not every day. I don't need to have one every day. Some days I am lower on protein. So I do drink one of the Equip. Um, uh, it is the equip beef isolate protein. It is a complete protein. I just learned that I did not think it was a complete protein. Um, but it is a carnivore friendly. It comes from grass fed, grass finished cow. It's a powder and it's a powder and it's absolutely delicious. Um, they have an unflavored version and it is 30 grams of protein for every scoop, um, for every scoop. So water or I just mix water and creatine in with it. Really? And it tastes okay? It's delicious. It gets really frothy and almost like foamy, like a like a milkshake. Do you do a hand blender with that? No, I do a real blender. Okay, you got oh, do, you do. Yeah, you, I get I have a real blender because the better you blend it, the like the the more airy and light it becomes and it's delicious. So I'm in, in intermittent faster, so we talk about opening our window and all that, closing our window. So within your eating time frame, I'm not saying, it, I mean, everyone stops eating at some time. So when you uh, eat again, do you open your eating window with protein or do you do you close it with protein? Um, I do it in the middle. So my weeding, you do it in the middle. Yeah, my eating window is generally only six hours. I usually oh, intermittent okay. fast yeah. um, for yeah. about eighteen hours a day. Yeah, you're in the intermittent fasting family, then for sure. Yeah, and um, it's not intentional. It feels very natural to me. Um, it's good. very very natural to me. It just feels right and it feels good. So I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I do have you know some coffee. Um, but I will, I almost never eat breakfast just because I don't feel like I need to. Um, and it's not an, 
I have a low appetite because I definitely have an appetite. Um, and then I will go do my workout. I get home around 12 o'clock usually, and I will eat my first meal. And then right after or in between my first and second meal, that's when I would drink the protein shake. Okay. So you have a meal, a protein shake, and then another yeah. meal. Yes. It, do you do two ribeyes in a day? I can. <laughs> You're a champ. I can. Um, I, I don't typically just because the ribeyes are super expensive yeah. right now. Hey, have um, you done the sirloin? Someone said to get the sirloin at Costco and that it it it's kind of a poor man's ribeye. Right, right, right. I love sirloin. I am not a steak snob. Um, I will do a sirloin slathered in butter, butter okay. um, just to make it that fatty, you know, just fatty as well. Um, do you do it on the grill or in a skillet? I'll, I usually do it on the grill. Um, I, okay. I much prefer to eat steak off the grill. Um, but I, if I have to, I will even air fry a steak if I, if I don't have the means to do anything else. Um, but no, I would love to be eating ribeyes twice a day, but usually I do like a ground beef. Um, I've been, I, I almost 75% of my diet is beef. Um, but I've been really into chicken wings right now. So usually lunch is chicken wings. And then for dinner, I'll have some sort of, um, beef. It's usually a ribeye, a strip steak. Um, tonight we'll have, um, some chuck in the crock pot that's been cooking for like 16 okay. hours. Um, so, um, something really fatty and satiating at the end of the night is what I credit for not being hungry first thing in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Now, some people stay away from birds, chicken, but some people trying to get their fat intake do um, dark meat and chicken. So they're doing, I guess, wings and drummies. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're do you think you're gravitating toward that because of taste and flavor or because is it higher in fat? Um, what I found with chicken wings, it's that chicken wings are almost perfectly with the 60-40 ratio of fat to protein. Oh. So it's super easy. But um, I think something important to talk about is there can be some palate fatigue. And I go through cycles of things that I want to eat. So I didn't eat chicken for probably four months, not a single bite of chicken, because I didn't want it. But now yeah. I think I ate so much beef that I'm kind of having some palate fatigue and that crunch yeah. of the chicken wing. Um, yeah. It sounded good. And we just moved to a new area where there was, there is a Buffalo Wild Wings by us. We didn't have one yeah. at our old house. And they cook their, their wings in beef tallow. So it's like very safe. They do? Yes. No seed oils. Oh, um, then that's... I'm so glad you told me that. I don't know of any restaurants, especially... Yeah. A franchise yeah. like that. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonder. It's wonderful to go there and know that there's not going to be any seed oils. Um, but so what about, wait, and don't, I've, I've only been because I had a son and when he was in high school, made me go because I was like, Ooh, and it's dirty and I felt messy and I didn't need it. But wouldn't their sauces then have a seed oil um, in them? Yeah. And so I, sometimes I do naked and I won't get any sauces. And sometimes okay. I'm like, if I feel okay consuming that, I will get a sauce. Um, recently okay. I went and I did get 30 wings and I did get sauce on them, but I just make that deliberate choice of like, okay, I know that this yeah. isn't the perfect food and I'm okay with that. I'm just going to really moderate how much I'm consuming. Could you pick those up and take them home? Would they be That's good what I at do. home and you could- Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what I do. I usually order way more than I can eat. Um, and then I'll eat them over the next couple of days, um, at home because it's just super easy for me and it's good. And I'm sure I'll get sick of them in the next couple of weeks. Cause I've been eating them yeah. every day. I think I was sick of chicken because of all those years 
that I ate it because it was low in fat mm-hmm. and I pulled the skin off. So I have had an aversion, really. I haven't had any chicken in the seven or eight months I've been a carnivore, but I'm, I, I would do that because I, I, I had palate fatigue for sure. But the wings, so how would I cook my wings? I don't have an air fryer, um, but um, I, if I got your girl well, here can cook, I can cook. Yeah. If I got, when I get, cause I do buy my own wings occasionally, um, I would sprinkle some baking soda on them and then I would throw them in the oven and cook them usually for about 40 minutes, I think is what they say. And then you oh. broil them to get them crunchy. I have a really, if you need a, if you need someone to tell you how to cook really good wings, my partner in crime is a chef. And so I can show you her page and she, I think just posted a video on how she gets her okay, wings. Okay. Wait, crispy. what's her, what's her social media handle? Um, her Courtney Luna. Um, she is a uh, retired yacht chef. And so her her carnivore is all about cooking. She's very, very, she's the go-to girl with the recipes. She's absolutely wonderful. You know who else has good recipes? Laura Spath. Mm -hmm. Yep. It looks like Laura's path. Like you think her Instagram handle is about her path, but her last name is Spath, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And her weight loss is Mm-hmm. is unbelievable. I'll put that in the show notes too, but she's given me a lot of ideas. She does the cheese, bread cheese. Have you seen I, that? I I love it. That was the hardest thing for me to give up when I went. Oh, dairy that's free. right. Because of your dairy. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's like people have said, it's like almost Wisconsin mm-hmm. curds yeah. kind of thing. So I'd never had it, but I yes, I had it yesterday and I had, um, a can of tomatoes. I'm reintroducing tomatoes to see mm-hmm. I've done because I've had them. I've removed them seven or eight months ago, and I'm seeing how I do. Um, and I made my own red sauce. And girl, it was because there's I, an Italian flavored cheese. It is so good. I'm sorry. Rest in no, peace, I, cheese for you. That, I mean, that it's so on Christmas Day. I made my family a traditional, you know, Christmas dinner and I made a ribeye and I said, you know, the only thing I want is I'm going to have like a a bread cheese. And that's the only time I've had bread cheese since going dairy, like cheese free, um, dairy free since the beginning of November. And that was my little treat. Um, but I could definitely tell the difference. Like I, def- oh, I, it was just, it was one of those really deliberate and intentional decisions to, to consume that just for the, the sake of it's really yummy and delicious and everyone yeah, else is eating the traditional food and I'm not. So yeah. For the rest of you who aren't dairy or cheese sensitive, it's, you have to ask them at Kroger, they have an, a special cheese section. Fresh Market has it. And then we even ran out here. And I am i mean, I was about to slit a tire of somebody if she was st- buying my cheese. Uh, and um, then because I talk about it, a social media ad, an Instagram ad came up, Wisconsin bread cheese. And then I bought it like 12. My favorite um, brand is the Big Moo. Um, oh, you can yes. Order the Big Moo. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely delicious. Yes. And I'm telling you, it doesn't, the people have asked me, what is the magic? It's not, it doesn't melt. Mm-mm. So you cube it or put it in strips, but you fry it or you put it in a hot skillet with either butter or an iron skillet. We'll just do it. And it yeah. crisps it up on it, the edge on nice. the outside. It, and, and you right when you said that earlier, there is some elements missing in the carnivore diet that you do miss. And that crunch is one of them. 
I get it from the chicken wings because I get them extra okay, crispy. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I always make sure if I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, I get extra crispy. And then when I reheat okay. them, I put them back in the air fryer because it's that really okay. crunchy um, sensation. But the bread cheese definitely did give that sensation to me too. Yeah. Um, and I also think something else is if you're um, – like it almost has that grilled cheese effect. It's like a very yes, comforting, yes, for comforting sure. food. And it, to me, um, some of the best comforting foods on carnivore is like a, a bone broth, but then like a bread cheese because it's got that almost grilled cheese effect um, on the palate. What are you doing? The other thing I'm missing, we had a little ice, few ice days here and, you know, people are posting all the recipes. Well, I, I don't need any of that anymore. All I have is bone broth and beef, but I saw somebody say she used her bone broth, either, either it was, you can do chicken or beef at that point, And she put her cooked uh, ground beef in it. And I do it, of course, mixed with the organs. And that was her soup. And she said, I know it sounds boring, but it really is very satisfying. What do you do for soup now? Um, so I am a, I was just, I had started getting a little cold last week and I wanted soup. So I do beef bone broth in the pressure cooker with okay. um, chuck or stew beef. Um, yes. The stew beef that I buy from Costco and I cook it for an hour and put a ton of salt in it. And that's my, that's my soup. So the beef is by that point it falls apart. Oh, it's, apart it's like, and it's, especially if you get like a chuck roast, it, the yeah. fat just melts in your mouth. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very comforting. I mean, how many people right now are offering podcasts where you have cooking lessons within the podcast? <laughs> right. I think it's Healthy brilliant, soup. Devin. Healthy soup. I think it's, yes, and the chicken wings. I'm totally going to tackle. Um, that is me. And the extra crispy part, I have a convection oven. You can raise things on a convection oven so that it circulates. So I can still get the effect of an air fryer. My mouth's watering, even talking about this. I thought I wanted the ribeye. Now I want, I'm tell my husband, I want to go out and get chicken wings. I mean, my goodness. And I never thought I would eat them. Um, let me think. So dessert, what do you do for dessert? Do you do any, uh, local fruits in season? Um, I am not an advocate for fruits on the carnivore diet. I'm happy to dive into my explanation behind that. Um, I have, I mean, occasionally, I think during the summer, we got a fresh local watermelon and I had a little mini cup of that. Um, Like I said, I am not perfect. I am someone who will go out and if it's date night, I will have something sweet. Um, But I also am not standing on a carnivore diet at that point. And that's occasionally. Um, But in my everyday day to day life, I don't do anything sweet minus the protein shakes that I do like the protein shakes that does have some like flavoring to it. Um, That is just and I never crave it. I never crave it, but I don't do any sweets anymore. And the, go ahead and tell me your fruit explanation is, you know, because Dr. Saladino, remember, waffled. He said no fruit, and then he's saying local fruits in season because he's in Costa Rica where there's right. pl- where plentiful. Right. Yeah. And um, so my, I also have a, a podcast with my friend Courtney, and we've talked to a lot of people like Dr. Chafee and all the all the yeah. big people. Um, my my issue with fruit on a high fat diet is that from an evolution standpoint, they did not coexist for most of the year. Um, And so when we have the produce available to us that we have nowadays, 
it is not aligned with an ancestral diet, in my opinion. Right. So when you tell the average person, eat a high fat diet and then eat fruit on top of it, um, it is a recipe for disaster in the sense that we have fat for fuel or we have carbohydrates for fuel. And when we were evolving as a species and doing the ancestral diet that we obviously evolved doing, um, when they had berries and produce or grains, it was available for really short. And I'm talking millions of years ago. I'm not talking about, you know, a thousand years ago. I'm talking about millions of years ago. And um, so they would gorge on those berries until the berry trees were no more. And that was their treat. They ate it when it was available. And then they didn't have it until the next year. I can see Um, that. And so I think when you tell someone to eat a high fat diet, and then recommend a high fructose diet as well. Your body is has two energy sources coming in at the same time, and that's just not what we were meant to do. Um, I am okay. Uh, we just talked with a um, uh, uh, someone. His name is Fernando Lopez, and he says to his clients, "Earn your carbs. Work really, really, really yeah. hard, and, and then you do. earn your carbs. You do earn your carbs. I I do. And, and I the only food that I really consume that is carb heavy." is I do have a sweet potato every couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, not weekly, not daily. Um, and that is just because that is my favorite vegetable, vegetable yeah. in the entire world. Um, and it is one thing that I found that I can tolerate after a very, very hard day at the gym. Um, and it does help muscle recovery a little bit. Um, and so I will do that if I really push myself. Um, but I do think for the average people consuming fruit on an animal based diet is probably okay. But for people who are metabolically unwell, which most of us are actually, um, it is terrible, terrible advice. I get very, um, very, very cautious when someone comes to me and says, Hey, I have type two diabetes, but I want to eat fruit. And I said, you really need to go to a professional, um, who is more in the carnivore, low carb space, because I think that that is dangerous territory to be going into. And if we had another hour, we would talk about how dietitians are still telling these type two diabetics to have an apple as their snack in between or to grab a handful of fruit, but don't have time. Devin, you're <laughs> killing it there. I, go ahead and show me your muscles. Go ahead and um, <laughs> come on. Let me see your guns. I don't know if I can show you my guns. Dang it. Oh <laughs> I, yeah, I can I, tell I you're some, fit. I have some really good shoulder muscles that I'm working on right That's now. Awesome. Well, <laughs> um, I'd love to send you some of my before and after progress pictures, though. Oh, because do. I'm and really Darren's listening. As, as we wrap this up, Darren will post those um, for the graphic for this. But that's very inspiring. Awesome. You're very inspiring, Tevin. What was your total weight loss again? About um, 80 pounds? Um, so if you have collectively done it, I've lost about 90 pounds, 90 um, pounds. in the that's, past six years. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yes. That will be part of, um, the information we put out. Thank you so much. We'll put your links to all of your social media so people can track you down. Okay. And, um, I hope you make me famous because this is a great conversation. I hope, I hope you make me famous. (laughs) Well, well, what do they say? Um, you got to dip in everyone's, uh, the followings. That's what we're doing. It's just exchanging everyone's following and hoping to to get the information out there. That's really what it is. So for sure. Well, thank you. Great job today. Thank Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? 
The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. 